Well, we've been talking about this, uh, the fruit of the Spirit that's found in Galatians chapter 5, 20, uh, 22 and 23. And uh, really, we've been talking about some of the evidences, some of the, some of the things that come out of our lives that show that God has changed us, that He's at work in our lives. And really, the, the first one, uh, the most critical one that, that we talked about is love. And, and we spent two weeks kind of just delving into what that means, what God's Word has to say about love. And you know, I, I think you're going to find as, as we go through um, these uh, different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to find that, that we often have one perception of what it should be, or maybe others around us have a perception of what it should be, and then we come to God's Word, and we say, oh, wait, that's a little bit different than I thought. That's not really where I thought you were going, Lord, but it's His Word, right? So today we're going to talk about something that that I find uh, I am either full of or I have almost none of. Because I I found that really it's an indicator of my intimacy with God. You know, if I'm in a close relationship with Him, I see great joy in my life. But if not... That evidence isn't there, is it? So let's look at at this fruit of the Spirit called joy. First of all, we want to look at this idea uh, of the magnitude of God's joy. You know, when I think of of God, I think of that uh, just wow factor, right? That Just that overwhelming sense of, I mean, He is big. He's created everything that we see, and He's bigger than that. And so when, when I think about the, the magnitude of God's joy, we can only uh, really talk about how big joy is, how much of it there is to be offered. You know, as we talk about the extent, the size of it, the scope of it, how large it is, I want you to know that God owns joy. It's not something that, that we kind of, you know, rev up to or create on our own. It's something that He created. And as something that he made, it is boundless. Let's contrast that for a second with happiness. You know, the thing that so many are pursuing, right? We have the right to pursue happiness. Well, that's good, but I'd rather be pursuing joy. And, and here's, here's uh, what I mean. Happiness is bound by circumstances. We just said that joy is boundless, but happiness is bound by circumstances. Here's a a great picture that kind of distinguishes the two. Maybe you've heard this before, but happiness is like a thermometer, right? It takes a reading of what's going on around it and it reflects it. But joy is like a thermostat. It takes a look at what's going on and says, wait, I could change that. I can do something about that. You know, some people say that happiness is from the outside and and joy is from within. Listen to this. Happiness leaves during times of suffering. Isn't that true? When you're going through a difficulty, it's not happy. (laughs) It, It doesn't make you just glow, right? But joy frequently increases during times of suffering. 
Now, God doesn't expect us to be happy all the time, but he does uh, say that we can have joy no matter what. I mean, even the word happiness talks about and really reflects what's happening, what's hap- what happens in our lives. It's a reflection of, of those circumstances. But God's joy can't be taken from us. That's what it says in John 16, 22. God's joy will not ever be taken from us. It's boundless. And you know, like I, I just mentioned, not only can we have joy during hard times, but, but it appears that joy is intensified during hard times. It's hard to fathom, isn't it? Write down uh, James chapter 1. We're actually going to uh, uh, look at James chapter 1 here. Um, James chapter 1. Look at verse 2. It says, My brethren, my brothers, my, my family, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. <laughs> Okay, right? And, and it, it's not even, when, when he says, count it all joy, it, he's not saying, count all those things that are hard in your life, count all of those things as joy. No, actually, he, he kind of pairs the word all with joy, so it's kind of like, um, it's, it's like, uh, let's see, my brethren, count it pure joy. Count, count it as only joy. Man, that, that's worse than I thought, <laughs> right? It's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to count all that joy, but for my only reaction, for, for all of me to say, God, I'm going to count this joy. Whew. That's not the way that I usually think about it. And, and really, that's not the typical response to difficulties in life. What's the typical response? Oh, no, not that again, right? Here we go. It's just one thing after another. When is it going to end? When is it going to be over? But James says, and you, you can actually read the rest of this passage, James says, have an anticipation. <laughs> Get excited, he says, when, because you're going to see God work in a new way. He's going to grow you. He's going to strengthen you, build you up. He's perfecting you. He's get, uh, going to rid you of self. He's going to provide for you. He's going to amaze you. Believe it. Get ready for it. Here it comes. The trial. <laughs> He's encouraging us, you know, don't just grin and bear it. You know, like, okay, I love Jesus, right? He's not saying that. He's saying, allow those difficult circumstances to bring about joy in your life. Think about this. If it's uh, the first time you've worked out in a while, oh man, it hurts, right? And the worst time is the next day when you're trying to get out of bed. You're like, that was not fun. I don't think I'm doing that again. Well, what if working out only made you sore? What if it did nothing to strengthen you? What if it did nothing to increase your abilities? 
what if working out just hurt? Oh man, I can't wait to do it again, right? But why? Why do people work out? I, I don't tend to work out. But, you know, why do people work out? <laughs> because they see the goal. They see the purpose. It's not just pain for pain's sake. It's a, it's a looking forward. It's an anticipation of what's going to happen. Because you know the end result, the product, is beneficial. So how do trials produce joy in our lives? I really want you to take some time this week and, and uh, just dig into James chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8. These uh, chapters really talk about the way that, that God produces joy through trials. But I'm just going to, just a quick overview Trials make us stronger, uh, I'm sorry, trials make us closer to God and more dependent on Him during the struggle. Isn't that true? You know, when we're going through a difficulty, when we're going through something that is just, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, we cry out to God, don't we? Say, God, I need you. We draw close to Him. Trials also strengthen our faith muscles, just like working out, and make them stronger after, after the trial is over. You know, God worked in, in my life in a powerful way, and He brought me through this difficulty. You know, I'm beginning to trust Him more and more for the next one that's coming. Trials also cause us to look forward to the future God has for us. And really, Romans chapter 8 talks about this. You'll see this phrase uh, a couple times. It says, rejoicing in hope. Even when there's hard stuff around you, things that are going on that are difficult, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in the plan that God has for you. Read it. That's what it says. Paul explains that the struggle facing your life right now will ultimately be used for God's glory, and for your good. Huh. Wow. I didn't know all that was going on in the middle of my trial, right? All I see is, ouch, that hurts. <laughs> That's not what I want to be doing. One of the shortest verses in the Bible simply and powerfully says, rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Philippians chapter 4 says, Paul says again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. He's saying, no, really, I mean it. Rejoice in Him. And he's not trying to work us up. He's not trying to say, okay, try really hard. Keep rejoicing. Just keep at it. It might happen. He's saying, no, allow me to do this work in you. One of the amazing things about the God we serve is that he will not command us to do something that he will not enable us to do. He's not going to command us to do something that he will not enable us to do. So if he says that we can always have joy, that means it's possible. He's not just holding the carrot out in front of you. Try it. See what happens. Oh, maybe next time. Look for his joy in the middle of difficulty because he's promised it. 
He will provide it. C.S. Lewis put it, he has this phrase, surprised by joy. You know, it's in a place we didn't expect it. We didn't think it was coming. We're focused on, okay, something big's going on in my life, a difficulty, a struggle, and what? Lord, where did that joy come from? Something that he does in us. Some say it's, it's a choice to rejoice. But really, to receive joy is a choice. Something that's available to us in the midst of our hardships that doesn't come naturally. But God can produce it in your life as a believer. He gives us the choice. He gives us the opportunity to receive that joy. So the good news is that it's possible to have this expansive, this boundless joy. But let's, let's take a, a second to look at how he provides it to us. Let's look at the sources of God's joy. Where does it come from? You know, where is it produced in us? How do we experience joy? God's joy first comes from being right with him. Look at Romans chapter 5. Turn over there to Romans chapter 5. Because this idea of being right with him kind of has two aspects. One is, is that eternal salvation that, that he offers to us. That if we accept, if we uh, allow him to do that work in our life, uh, we can experience joy. But also the, the second part of that is kind of a daily cleansing, a, kind of a, a way that we can say, okay, God, I want to make sure that we're on the same page. I want to make sure that, that my life is right with you. Romans chapter 5. Uh, tell me that this verse doesn't just overwhelm you with joy. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. We were God's enemy. We were the ones shaking our fist at God saying, I don't need you, I don't want you, I'm going to do things my own way. And God said, I want there to be peace between us. Because of Jesus Christ, through him, the burden that is lifted when this happens in our lives. Wow! Peace between me and him. And Paul thought it was so exciting, that it was so incredible, that as he thinks about this idea of having peace with God, in the next verse he says, we exult in hope of the glory of God. That word exult means we jump for joy. (laughs) Paul's saying, man, I can't even contain myself. I can't believe that I have peace with God. I can't believe that he made things right between me and him. Look at verses 6 through 11. Paul kind of fleshes out what this looks like. He says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Man, that doesn't happen. But God demonstrates 
His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still His enemy, He laid down His life for us. Christ died for us. And then He says much more then. He says, okay, if we were the enemies of God, and He laid down His life, He gave it all for us because of His love for us, now, having been justified, he says, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He's saying, okay, that, that uh, time in your life when there was uh, just war between you and God, he brought you together. He reconciled you together. Imagine how much more beneficial, how much more God is saying, I want to do a work in your life. We're on the same team. We're going in the same direction. I want to continue to rescue you. I want to continue to give you joy. Verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice in him Wow, because of all that God has done for us, because he has given us eternal salvation, because he's not done with us, we can say, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Wow. And Paul can't get over it. God's saving his rescuing work in Paul's life and in our lives is worth celebrating. It's worth having joy over. It's a source of, of joy. Another way that we can be right before Him, how we can come before Him and say, okay, God, continue to work in my life, is that daily cleansing. That daily time when we can come before Him and say, Lord, I know I messed up, but I know what You did. I know Your plan for my life. Help me, forgive me, cleanse me. Did you know that living in sin as a believer can and will take away your joy. If you're saying, man, there's no joy in my life, this is one area where I think God would challenge you and say, is there something between me and you? Is there something that you're throwing up a wall? You're saying, I just just don't want to deal with that, Lord. I know what you expect of me. I know what you desire from me, but I'm not going there. In Psalm 51, in Psalm 51, King David responds to God after being confronted with his sin. And God used a prophet named Nathan to kind of get in David's face and say, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? See, David had committed adultery and and kind of in an effort to, to cover up his sin, He killed a man. And King David thought that he was above the law. King David thought, nobody's going to find out it's okay. Nobody's going to say anything because they're afraid because I'm king. But you know what? The joy in his life evaporated. It was gone. And God brought David to his knees, not because he hated David, but because he loved him. And David responds in Psalm 51, 
Look at verse 7. This is just a sample. He says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. God, I know that you can do that in my life. He cries out. Listen to the, to the desire. Make me hear joy and gladness. God, I'm missing that in my life. I need that in my life. That the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Oh Lord, you, you have taken me from one place to another and you have shown me my sin. You have shown me that I need to be right with you and heal me. With all that I am, I want that joy back. Look at verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, we just talked about that how salvation brings that joy, how we look at what God has done and it brings joy into our lives. David is saying, restore that joy. Lord, I'm a child of yours, but I've messed up. Restore me. Restore the joy that, that you have for my life. And sustain me, keep me there with a willing spirit. God's desire for David's life was not to leave him bruised and battered from his own bad decisions. But God's heart is reflected in the words of Jesus in John fifteen eleven. Listen to this. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you may remain in you, may have a home in you, and that your joy may be made full. What's the difference between a gas tank that's a quarter full and all the way full, right? There's a difference, isn't there? God's desire for your life is joy to the fullness. I like that time every once in a while when my gas tank, I fill it all the way up and it's kind of past that full, right? It makes you go, oh, this is good. Life is good. <laughs> and then you look at how much it costs and it's all gone. But, but it's just that idea of overwhelming joy, full beyond full. That's what God's desire is for our lives. He wants that to remain in us, to live in us. The most miserable person in the world is a Christian who is not right with God or a Christian that is not surrendered to Him. Because they know that there is so much more that God has for them, but that's okay. Do you hear God's heart for you? Experience this joy through this daily cleansing. God's joy comes from being right with Him. But second, God's joy also comes in seeing others get right with Him. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a couple parables. He tells a parable, a story of, of a, a lost sheep and a lost coin and he talks about later a lost son. And there's a passion in the person who owns those things, who has lost those things. 
And when they are found, the owner says, and, and you can see it uh, twice in, in the story of the lost sheep and the story of the lost coin, this phrase, rejoice with me, the one who, who has found that thing that was lost, who sees that uh, restoration, that place of where it's supposed to be, rejoice with me, get excited, ah, something has just happened. Would you let joy come into your life as you see others who get right with God? You know, I love to hear stories of those who have given their lives to the Lord. And I think it's one of the reasons that God gave us baptism is so that those watching can have joy at God's work in other people's lives. In that Luke 15 passage, Jesus pulls back the curtains of heaven and and kind of gives us a glimpse into what takes place when one person's life is changed. He says, in the same way, he says, with the same excitement as those who who declared, uh, rejoice with me, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. He says, wow, can you imagine what takes place when someone says, I'm at the end of my rope, I am done, I'm turning from my way, I'm turning away from that, and I'm turning to you, God. I want to be reconciled with you. I want you to change my life. I want you to cleanse me. And all of heaven goes, woo, right? Guess what? We get to take part of that joy. We get to watch it. We get to see a person's life change before our eyes. Wow, that brings joy. God's joy comes from getting right with God, comes from seeing others get right with God, it comes from trials. We talked about that a little bit, but it also comes from his word. Jesus said, we just, I just shared this verse in, in John 15, 11. He says, I have spoken these things so that your joy may, uh, so that my joy might remain in you. He says, I'm sharing with you. I'm giving you my word for this purpose so that you can have joy, so joy can reside in you. Just how powerful is a word from the Lord? You know, the wise men who were seeking Jesus saw the star that was pointing them to the Messiah. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, it says that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They saw one direction from God and they said, I can't contain it. Wow, this is amazing. God, you're doing something powerful. Guess what? God has given us more than just one direction for our lives. He's given us more than just one word. He's sharing with us all that we need to know for life and for godliness. And we should say, wow, thank you. That should fill you with joy. We have been given direction from God. There's joy in that. You know, God's joy also comes from answered prayer. Isn't it amazing to see the ways that God answers your prayer? You know, it's not always ways that you expect it. It's not always the way that that you think, okay, this is the way it's going to happen. 
but that God Almighty would hear us and act. (laughs) Are you kidding me? You're going to do something on my behalf? That brings joy to our life. In John chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus says, Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He says, Ask these things because I want you to be filled with joy. In Ezra, the people of Israel were so excited when God answered their prayer and and the, the temple building project was over. And the Bible says that many shouted aloud for joy. Haven't you seen God answer prayer? You know, there's, there's two girls that look an awful lot alike in the nursery back there. And I can tell you that they are a direct answer to prayer. And I want you to know that they're going to be sticking around for a little while longer. I hope that's okay. But But I know that fills you with joy. When you see God work, when you see God act, you go, wow, that is amazing. God's joy also comes from a strong, healthy, united church family. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, Fulfill my joy. He says, if you do this, oh man, that would just give me joy. Notice that you can steal someone else's joy. If this didn't take place, there'd be a little bit of that joy that wouldn't be full in, in Paul's life. So don't steal people's joy, okay? Just a word to the wise. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Fulfill my joy. How? It says, Be like-minded. Have the same love. Be of one accord. You know, seeing the body of Christ function as it should with one purpose brings joy to Paul's heart. And it should bring joy to your heart, too. You... And I get to be a part of bringing joy. Would you say with the psalmist in Psalm 133 verse 1, Behold how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Oh, when there's peace, when there's there's a direction, when there's a focus. Wow, God, I'm a part of something. God is at work. God is doing something. And number seven, God's joy comes from anticipating His return one day. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4.13, he says, keep on rejoicing. It's a continuous action. Keep on rejoicing so that uh, also at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. There's that word again, that jump for joy word. He says, rejoice now because you're going to really be rejoicing. In the future, God is going to return one day. He is coming back. He is going to fulfill the promise that He has given to us. And that is a reason to rejoice. 
You know, I don't know about you, but, but looking at all of these sources, all these ways that God has just kind of said, here's joy. Here, take some more. Have some. Wow. Isn't that incredible? And there's more. God offers us so many sources of joy, so many avenues of joy. And listen, if you aren't experiencing joy in your life, He's not withholding it from you. You and I are keeping ourselves from joy. If you aren't experiencing joy in your life, you and I are the ones that are keeping it away. So what do we do with this joy? What do we do with with uh, what God is, has offered to us? What kind of impact does God's joy have in my life and in the lives of others? The Bible says that, that joy is what God's kingdom is all about. Write these down and, and look them up uh, later. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Matthew 25, 21. Isaiah 61, verse 7. Jeremiah 31, 13. Psalm 132, verse 9. These verses are talking about uh, the joy that is based, that is founded in the kingdom of God. It's what it's all about. And it's not a a just-get-by kind of joy. It's that full joy that God desires in our lives. If I'm not allowing joy to penetrate my life, uh, or if I am allowing God's joy to penetrate my life, here's the impact of that. What it does, it gives us strength. You know, we saw earlier how we can have joy in, and even find joy in difficult circumstances. But it also gives us strength in those circumstances. That's the impact of joy. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Would that be the cry of your heart? If you're in the middle of a difficult circumstance, do you know people like that who, who are living maybe with, with a difficulty, are living with devastation in their lives, and yet there's something different. There's something about the joy that they have in their lives. Uh, there's a, a Christian artist by the name of Stephen Curtis Chapman, and a few years ago, um, he lost his daughter in a terrible accident. And uh, there's actually uh, books and uh, a book that, that his wife wrote, kind of just that shares her heart, shares her story. And there's, there's a song that, that Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote that is really a, a reflection of his heart. And it starts with the words, it was the day when the world went wrong. And he reminds me a lot of the psalmist. Because the psalmist will, will take this devastation and he'll be honest about it. He'll say, this stinks. This isn't right. This isn't, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. But then God does something in his life. And this is the chorus of that song. 
out of these ashes, beauty will rise. And we will dance among the ruins. We will see it with our own eyes. Out of these ashes, beauty will rise. For we know joy is coming in the morning. In the morning. And listen to the end of this this song. I can hear it in the distance. And it's not too far away. It's the music and the laughter of a wedding and a feast. I can almost feel the hand of God reaching for my face to wipe the tears away. You say it's time to make all things new. Make it all new. This is our hope. This is a promise. This is our hope. This is a promise. He says it will take our breath away to see the beauty that's been made out of the ashes. Out of the ashes. I would encourage you If you have a similar story, if you have a devastation in your life, pick up this album. It's called Beauty Will Rise. Because he speaks as one who's been there, who knows the pain, but he also speaks of one as one who knows the strength of the joy of the Lord. And when I think about this idea, I can see faces. There are certain people in my life who just like exemplify this. They shout out, you know, life is not happy, but they have a joy that only comes from the Lord. That's what's so amazing about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not self-made. It's not self-motivated. It's God-given. And I think when you need it the most... He gives it the most. If God can give them joy in the most desperate situations, He can give me joy in my difficulty and in my daily life. That is the impact of joy. It gives us strength. But it also brings people to Jesus. You know, in that passage where David, in Psalm 51, where David was pouring out his heart to God, where he was saying, God, restore the joy of my salvation. Right after that, he says, and then, Lord, do this thing, and then you know what's going to happen? Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will come to you. He says, Lord, use my life. He prayed for his joy to be restored so that more lives could be touched. Do you know that when you resist joy, you may be keeping someone from knowing Christ, from making that decision in their lives? Because there's nothing more attractive than a person who lives in the same messed up world that everybody else does, but still is filled with the joy of the Lord. Make an eternal impact with the joy He has given you. And finally, joy impacts our song. Joy brings about enthusiastic music. You know, music is one of the ways that the Lord has given uh, us to meaningfully express our great joy in Him. Some of us are better at it than others. And that's okay. But listen to this. Listen to what... Uh, 1 Chronicles 15, 16, it says. It says, Then David spoke to the Levites to appoint their relatives as singers with instruments of music 
harps, lyres, sound, uh, loud-sounding cymbals. Listen, to raise the sounds of joy. To proclaim the joy that God has given you. There are many different ways that we can do that. Many different ways that God has given us. So what does your joy sound like today? I don't know about you, but hearing God's word today for me was a lot like going to the eye doctor this week. I haven't been to the eye doctor since 2006, okay? And I got used to the blurry vision. Now, I'm not blind, you know? I can function. I can get by. But as I sat in the chair and after a series of agonizing, which one's better? One? Click, click. Or two? Click, click. You're like, I don't know! (laughs) They both look terrible. (laughs) And you think, how can this person be making my vision worse? Suddenly, they said, there, that should do it. Click. I have to tell you, I almost couldn't stop smiling. Because this, this is how it's supposed to look. This is what I've been missing out on. This is what I could have been experiencing all along. And I don't know about you, but this has been such a great reminder to me of the way my joy can be characterized. You know, so many times we get used to the humdrum living. You know, the blurry vision. And we forget about all the joy that He has made available to us. He's not hiding it from us. Has he given you a glimpse today of the joy that you are desperately seeking? And would you say with me, as a smile comes across our faces, this, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is the joy that he has offered. You know, maybe your prayer today is, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. Draw me close to you. Lord, I need you. Or maybe you would say, there hasn't been peace between me and God. I I haven't given my life to Him. I don't experience the joy that you're talking about, but I want to. Or maybe you're in the middle of a devastating circumstance. God is offering you joy in the middle of it. Would you take advantage of it? Would you allow Him to work His plan in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we come before You and we acknowledge our need for You. We acknowledge our dependence on You. We acknowledge that You own joy. Lord, and we are so grateful that you desire to pour it out on us. We are so grateful that you desire that joy to live in us, to remain in us. Lord, thank you for giving us a glimpse into what that looks like. Thank you for helping us Father, help us respond to you tonight. In Jesus' name.